think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the seventh anniversary edition of Low Limit Football on this 5th of September, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we have a fantastic lineup of guests in the footballing world to bring you. It's a jam-packed show. It's going to run a little long, but who cares? It's our anniversary. Let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Happy anniversary, my man. Happy anniversary, Joe. It has been a privilege to have been working for you. Unfortunately, I never did all the seven years, but I am part of six of the seven years. But even then, it has been a real honor to really been a part of this uh, ever since I, you know, you, you you gave me a chance as a 16 year old to, to basically talk about soccer, you know, and I, I still remember the words that you gave me, mm -hmm. why you wanted me to be a part of the show. And I would have never thought in my wildest dreams that we would continue to talk six years later so it's 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 been a real honor to work with you it's it's been great to to call you um, a friend you know a very close friend and and certainly uh i i hope that this bond never ends for for quite some time so again really happy anniversary to you man you've pulled the word square out of my mouth my friend um it's been fantastic i mean i know we've had other co-hosts and 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 again in our if you've ever listened to our intro i leave them in here because i always want to remember that whether they've come and gone, they're, they were always a part of this show from the beginning. But obviously, you've been here the absolute longest. And, and as we started, like I said, because you knew your stuff, I used a different word. Um, but, uh, you know, here six years later for you, seven years later total, um, I can't believe that uh, and we're going this strong. And, and, we've you know, we've talked to many people over the years, and they've said, you know, at anniversary three and anniversary four and five, they're like, you know, it is an accomplishment because many podcasts just come and go. But you guys just continue and continue. And we've built we've built not only a great relationship with each other, but great relationships with many, 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 many other people out there in the footballing world, whether they be players, um, you know, agents, uh, reporters, journalists, everything. And, and just the list is so, so long that sometimes I look back at the list of of names that we've spoken to, the people that we've spoken to over the years. And I'm humbled. Um, you know, I'm humbled driving around 
in the middle of the day listening to radio and seeing these names pop up on my screen and I'm humbled because it's it's like I look at that and I go I have access to that person I can talk to that person it just it's an amazing thing and 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 I'll be dead honest I don't get there without you my friend so thank you for everything you've done and here's to many many more years of doing this podcast and and having a lot of fun doing it so let's um Let's get into it, right? Because um, I know you said you've only been here for six of the seven years. There is only one other person um, on the planet besides myself that has been here for the entire seven years or the, or all seven anniversary shows. Um, and I'd like to bring that guest to you first because he is RBFF previously from BM Sports and now from CBS Sports. He's made the move. They've picked up Champions League and we got the chance to talk with him for a few minutes about everything. Uh, so without further ado, Rob, uh, let me introduce our first guest and our BFF on this show, Mr. Jeremy St. Louis. Joining us now on the anniversary show, our BFF from CBS Sports, Mr. Jeremy St. Louis. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. How have you been, my man? Uh, I've been good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, remembering that I'm you know still around. So I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you're always going to be around for us, man. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's jump into it right away and let's talk about Man United, your favorite club, and Donny Van Der Beek. They make the big move for the 23 year old midfielder. Um, one, I'd like your reaction to the move, and two, what do you think this means for Paul Pogba? Well, uh, I, I mean, I like the move. Um, you know, obviously he's a, you know, he's a great, great young player. And, and, um, you know, I think that United needed to obviously, you know, do something with their midfield and with Pogba, I mean, you know, every month it's a different thing. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Does he want to be here? Does he not want to be here? And you hear all those reports all the time. So, I mean, it, it doesn't look good for Pogba. I think there's a, you know, there's pretty much a consensus that, that, you know, Pogba is going to be off, but, I mean, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of hopeful that, that maybe that won't be the case, but, um, you know, it's hard to think that it's hard to think that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be, you know, see that and then decide, you know what, it's time to go. Now, Jeremy, I mean, obviously we see this big piece that was brought in, in Donny van de Beek. And, you know, as we all know, Manchester United are known for getting uh, a bunch of, rumors of different players you know we see the likes of uh, I guess the flavor of the month that everyone kind of wants not just Manchester United but you look at Jaden Sancho you look at uh, many other players all across Europe um having said that you know if this is the team that will kick off the Premier League season assuming that Solskjaer isn't going to make any more significant moves you know is this the team that has enough to compete for that Premier League title because I think we know that it's going to be a tough race between them, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, do they have enough for to compete for that title, or do you feel like there's still something missing for them uh, to envision that kind of, of dream of winning the Premier League? I just don't know if they have enough there. Obviously, you know, having like if you have Fernandez, Van de Beek, and Pogba, I mean, that's you know that's going to be a nice looking midfield if Pogba ends up staying, but. And it's not that I don't think that United have the talent. I think they have the talent. I'm just not sure about the about that that mentality, that that killer instinct, that you know that that Ferguson esque mentality that they always that they always had with Sir Alex. You know, we talk about Fergie time, and we talk about the fact that you know there was it, you had to play United to every to the very last second because this team just had it in them that they could they could. They could do something. They could come back. They had that belief in them. I'm just not sure that they have that belief. They have a propensity to switch off mentally at times. They make, 
you know, horrifying defensive mistakes at times. I mean, I know everybody likes Harry Maguire, but I'm not a huge fan of him based on some of the things that I saw against bigger teams last year. It's easy to play against the teams that you should beat and look good, but it's much more difficult to play against teams that are at another level than you are and then to stand out in that respect. And I, to me, Maguire didn't necessarily do that a lot last season. And so I question that mentality at United. I don't necessarily question the talent. They might be missing one or two pieces, but do they have enough? Yes. But I think that what would have to happen for United is that mentality would have to be there and other teams that they will be competing with will have to switch off. They'll have to capitalize on every opportunity that's given to them, will United, if they are going to challenge and try to win a Premier League title. We, we often talk about Ferguson's last title. Did United win that title or did Man City lose that title? Did they just not have it enough mentally where Ferguson did have it enough mentally with his team? So that's the only question that I have about this United team. Can they compete? Is the talent there? I think it is. But do they have that mental fortitude in order to handle what's going to be a very difficult season for everybody in the Premier League? It certainly will be a very interesting season um, for all the teams, really, not just the ones at the top. But knowing what we already know with the teams that we are going to see with Liverpool, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, you know, being those type of top contenders, who can you say right now is the clear on favorite to win uh, the Premier League this season? Of course, we still have to wait for one significant transfer if it does occur for one team in Manchester. But if it doesn't occur, you know, who, who do you still see as the favorite to win the Premier League this season? I mean, I like Liverpool. I mean, I think that, you know, they haven't, they haven't gotten worse. They've, they've had some, they've had some, I don't know whether it's complacency or what it is, but I expect that to, I expect, I expect that to be gone. Um, If City get messy, then obviously that makes City huge favorites to be, you know, to, 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 to win the title. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say that, not huge favorites, because there's a change that has to occur when you're messy going from Barcelona to Manchester. It's not just a culture change. It's not just a team change. It's, it's a societal change. Things are different in Manchester. You hear that a lot, that players sometimes go to Manchester and they don't necessarily like it there. So while Messi will fit the team for sure, I'm not 100% sure that the lifestyle will fit him or the climate or everything else. So, I mean, that's kind of a wait and see type thing. But for me, I mean, Liverpool are right there. City's right there. A lot of people think Chelsea are going to be there. I'm not sure. I think they still might be a year away. But, I mean, Chelsea certainly are in the conversation, you know, to contend for the Premier League title. Now, having said that, you know, we, we got to mention the elephant in the room in Lionel Messi. Uh, as we record right now, we just got breaking news saying that Lionel Messi might stay at Barcelona beyond the summer, which would be a significant, a, um, a huge development for this team that obviously... We know the situation that has been going on, the whole 700 million release clause to see if that's legal or not. But clearly, if this does occur, I mean, that just leaves something even more bigger is that, you know, we could see Lionel Messi, you know, go and leave on a free for next season, which obviously would happen if he does stay. So I just want your opinion on on this whole saga that we've been seeing. You know, is it right for him to stay for another season or do you feel that? when he does express his desire to leave after all the, the commotion that's been going on in, in Barcelona, that he has the right to leave and, and obviously go to Manchester City, who are the favorites. 
this is an opinion that I get pilloried for on a regular basis. Uh, when I was with BN Sports, we had this conversation. Even at CBS, we have this conversation amongst the soccer files at CBS. And I know that people that are listening to this are going to think that I'm crazy and that I'm hor- horribly wrong. But I think that Lionel Messi needs to leave Barcelona to prove himself elsewhere. I think that when you look at Cristiano Ronaldo versus Lionel Messi, the one thing for me that separates the two of them is the fact that Ronaldo has been able to go and do it in different countries. He's been able to go and do it in different leagues. Messi has been with Barcelona his whole career. And the one knock that I have, me, I have against Messi is that he has not been able to do it in another country for another for in another league or for his own country in the Copa America or the World Cup. So Messi definitely, you know, a goat, absolutely one of the greatest players to ever kick a football or even touch a football. His talent is in the words of my former colleague Ray Hudson magisterial but for me Cristiano Ronaldo has been able to go and do it in different leagues and I would love to see Lionel Messi do that to give himself that challenge even at the age that he's at he did 2020 last season 20 goals 20 assists you know and that's incredible for someone his age he still got it and I think that if he was to go to City under Guardiola I mean I would love to see him take on that challenge and succeed and excel and lead City to a Premier League title lead City to a Champions League title I think that that would for me further cement him as one of the greatest players if not the greatest player to ever play the game so Barcelona are an absolute shambles right now Messi absolutely 100 percent should leave that team. That club is a disaster. They are nothing like the club that they used to be. Maski un club is what it says there, more than a club. It's not. It's not more than a club right now. Right now, it's an absolute disaster. It's a dumpster fire. And I think that they need to have a purge, not just from a playing, playing player standpoint, but from a board standpoint as well. And I think that the obviously the carrot for Messi to stay is that Bartomeu is going to leave. But that's still going to happen when they do. There's still going to be an election, and Messi's still eventually going to leave, you know, within a year on a free. Should he go right now? I think he should. I think he should go because this team is not going to win anything, and he's not getting any younger. And as you get into your 30s, you exponentially decline. I talked about how Messi still has it, but for how much longer is he going to have it? I'd hate to see him stay at Barcelona and just have this team just flame out of everything and not win something. So I would like to see him challenge himself with a team that can contend for a title, not just in their own league, but in Europe as well. And Barcelona are not that team. I love how you jump in and ask the age-old question, can you do it in Stoke on a cold and rainy Saturday night? That's, you know, that's what everyone's been asking of Messi. <laughs> you know, and hey, we might get our opportunity to see that. Um, I always said, Rob and I talked about this, even when the news first broke, that this Messi thing, to me, at one point, started to feel like a power play. Like, him and Bartomeu don't see eye to eye, and he wants Bartomeu out. So it was like that type of power play, and it's almost developed into that at this point. I, you know, I... There's part of me that agrees with you that if he goes somewhere else and plays somewhere else, and and honestly, by by your vision, Jeremy, I would say that place is definitely not Juventus, because um, he'd have to play with Ronaldo, and then you might get into the whole playing in his shadow kind of thing. I think I think you're right. I think if he goes somewhere, if he goes to City, if he goes to Bayern Munich or PSG, my, my God, actually PSG would be the one. But if he went to PSG and won the Champions League with PSG. 
talk about cementing a legacy. That's probably the, the, the stamp on his career. Don't you think? Well, I mean, I would absolutely, you know, I would absolutely agree with, with that. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him go to Juve to play with Cristiano Ronaldo. That, I mean, you know, basically that would be like the universe kind of exploding and everything colliding. And, uh, you know, how would the Messi versus Ronaldo fans handle it? Their heads would all explode because now they'd have to cheer for both players at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it would be fantastic to see that, but obviously that's not going to occur. Um, yeah, for him to win, I think to win a, a league title and another European title, it cements his legacy as the greatest of all time. I, 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 I wish, I really, 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 really wish that he would have been able to do something with Argentina. Those Argentina teams were so very close. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost tragic that he was not able to win something with Argentina, uh, either a Copa America or a World Cup, because that would really just put him over the top, over everybody there would be no debate about whether he's the greatest because he would definitely be the greatest. Yeah. I, I mean, he still is in a lot of people's minds and, and for him to go and at least win another league title, at least win another European crown within the next couple of years, three, you know, two, three years before supposedly making the move to major league soccer, which I don't think is ever going to happen. Um, I, I think that it would definitely add to his legacy as, as one of the all-time greats. No doubt. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you quickly about CBS Sports. Um, you know, you talk about going to the right place at the right time. You go into CBS Sports from BN Sports. CBS Sports also picks up the Champions League here. They, they finish out the season. They take over for Bleacher Report and, and, and Turner. And, and to be honest with you, thank God they did. Um, I thought the coverage, especially the pre- and post-game, was much, much, much better than what we saw on TNT and TBS. Um, so from a CBS standpoint, what what can you learn from what TNT and TBS did with the Champions League? And what do you anticipate it's going to look like next season for you guys at CBS? Well, I mean, from what, from what I know and the conversations that I've had with people, um, you know, one of the things that CBS is, is known for and one of the approaches that you know, that, 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 that they took with this is we don't need to reinvent the wheel. All we need to do is give people what they want and give people what, you know, what, what they're not getting. And the guy who's producing the champions league on television, on CBS all access for, you know, for, for everybody uh, is, is a guy by the name of Pete Radovich. He's a guy who has a background in soccer. I mean, he, has won 37 Emmys. I mean, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how to do it. You know, when they got the Champions League, it, you know, um, you know, Sean McManus, the president of CBS Sports, came to him and said, look, you're responsible for this. Get this done. We've got a month. You know, get it done. And he said he just immediately went into his Rolodex and just started calling people. Who's under contract? Who's not? Who can come? Who can't? And what you saw on, what you saw on All Access was, you know, just – incredible i mean even i as someone who was working there but also someone who is a is a viewer and who has been involved in the champions league for the better part of my career i was absolutely you know flabbergasted by just how great it was to see those people those legends talking and and breaking down the game and having fun doing it and i think that you're going to see that continue i think that that is something that's not going to change obviously the studios in london they're working out of IMG studios uh, in London. That's going to remain simply because of the COVID situation. It's just too difficult, I think, to travel and stuff. So my understanding is that it's going to at least start there. 
And then depending on what happens, maybe it'll come back to New York. Um, but, you know, that's kind of still up in the air. But what a fantastic job that, that they did with everything. And, and as someone who's working there, I was very proud to see it. In terms of what I do working for CBS, I'm working on the CBS HQ side, the interactive side, which is the online stuff that you can, you know, you can view on your phone, you can view on your computer. And, and we also had pregame and post-match coverage, which was done out of our studios in Stanford, which had Ian Joy, uh, Poppy Miller was on there, Jimmy Conrad, uh, Demarcus Beasley uh, was on there as well. And they were kind of doing the online coverage as well. And even that was phenomenal. And I, that is also going to continue. And they're going to continue to build off of that. Uh, my involvement, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of just, you know, I wrote some stuff and I managed to put some stuff together for them that they could use. And, you know, I hope to be able to continue that. I hosted the draw um, for the, you know, for the last stages of the tournament with Thomas Rongen, which was fantastic. And, you know, I'm hoping to be just as involved as when it kicks off again back in October, uh, the group stage stuff. But I would expect to see more of the same. They're not going to reinvent the wheel. They're not going to do anything that's, they're not going to do anything that's, that's out of the box because CBS is a network, the, the oldest sports network in, in America. They, they, they just don't do anything that's going to, you know, that, 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 that's going to be super crazy. They just give you what you want. They give you what you need. And people seem to like that. And when it comes to the Champions League, hey, we're all soccer fans. We know what we want. We just want the games. And we want some good analysis, and we want to have a little bit of fun. And that's exactly what CBS is going to do. And they delivered in spades, my friend. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on the anniversary show. You know it's not an anniversary unless we have you on. And all the best, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon, my friend. Well, hey, happy anniversary and uh, continued success, guys. I appreciate you having me back on. And special thanks again to Mr. Jeremy St. Louis for joining us. Always a pleasure to have him on. Next up on our show is keeps in tradition with what we've always done every year. Not only have we had Jeremy on the show every single year, but we've always had somebody from BN Sports on this particular anniversary show every year. They've been so good to us over the years with guests and, and reaching out to us and us reaching out to them and, and just showing us um, a great partnership over the years. And it's always been an honor to be able to work with them. This year we have somebody special. It's somebody that we've never had on before. So I was very excited to get the chance to speak with her uh, earlier on. And that is Miss Eliana Hymas, who joined us on the show. So without further ado, our interview with Eliana Hymas from BN Sports. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from BN Sports, Miss Eliana Hymas. Eliana, how are you today? Hi, Joe and Roberto. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I want to open with a question. That, seeing that you're based in Miami, I want to open with an inter-Miami question. Uh, Inter-Miami, obviously their first year in uh, MLS, they've made a few moves, uh, the big fanfare, and it took a while to get Inter-Miami to where they are now. They bring on Blaise Matuidi from Juventus. There are rumors right now that Gonzalo Higuain might be joining them as well, although DC United hold his rights at the moment. What is the perception of the direction that Inter-Miami is going among the fans and the people in Miami? That's a very good question to start the show with, <laughs> um, especially that I live here in South Florida and in the stadium is just like 15, 20 minutes away from my house. Um, obviously, we've been looking forward to having a Miami team again come back. And obviously, like David Beckham mentioned in his Instagram post, a good team takes time. Obviously, their first season was not their best. It was awful. Um, right now, they're not doing very well. They only have one win, which was their home opener. 
Um, they tied against At Atalanta. And the rumors with Iguain, I'm not sure if I really like Iguain to come to Miami. I've never been a really big fan of Iguain. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with me with that, but I do like the new signings that they've brought in. I do believe that they need bigger stars to come here. Like, well, obviously, um, one big rumor was Falcao coming to Miami, which I would have loved for that to happen. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? That would have been awesome for me. I, I mean, he's yeah. such a fantastic striker, and, and, and Radamel Falcao would be um, not necessarily a younger version of Iguain, but a younger version of a very talented number nine that Inter-Miami certainly need at this point. So I agree that Falcao would have been great to come in. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Iguain is an amazing player, of course. I've just never been a big fan of his, but obviously he plays at such a big European level that I think obviously he would kill it here in Miami too. Now, looking into, obviously, a, a new topic, and I think the one that we've always been talking about uh, over the last few weeks or so is this whole messy scenario. I mean, certainly we saw that yesterday that he made it public that he wants to stay, but that doesn't change the fact that he has been unhappy and he has also called out uh, President Jose Maria Bartomeu. And certainly now this this whole drama brings in a lot of big questions. Certainly, we don't know what's going to happen to him after this season. We know that he does want to stay. But now the big dilemma goes is that we have a new manager in Ronald Koeman. We see a lot of departures that are going to possibly happen. We already saw that with um, uh, Marilyn Pjanic coming in for Arto. We saw Ivan Rakitic go to Sevilla. We see some other rumors with possibly Luis Suarez leaving. So certainly there is going to be a, a situation where the club is in transition. So I just want your thoughts, Ellie, on you know Messi's comments uh, from the interview that he gave yesterday and just where do we go from here? Because certainly there is a lot to fix um, from on, in the, on the pitch and obviously off it. But what do you think should happen to this Barcelona side that obviously will see them contend for what obviously will be winning La Liga and all the other major titles that come uh, for it. Okay, well, you know, Roberto, that you and I yesterday were writing through Slack, going crazy, messaging each other like 10 minutes, five minutes left until Messi announcement. And so, you know, obviously, Goal finally posted the interview. It's been a crazy, crazy roller coaster with Messi, of course. Um, my opinion about the interview is, firstly, it was very well done. Um, secondly, my thoughts of it now, just re-watching it and reading the interview over and over again. And like most people are saying, um, I feel like Messi is trapped in Barcelona. He, um, Bartomeu promised him after every every year or any and whenever his contract would expire, you have the right to leave or you have the right to go. And obviously, he did not meet with that. So he betrayed Messi in my opinion. Messi obviously has love for the club, will love the club no matter what, if he leaves or stays. Um, as for Komen, he did. He was assistant coach in 1992, I believe, with the Dream Team, so he has obviously experience with that. Um, he didn't do that well in his other teams, but I do think maybe with a Messi and then a Griezmann, playing Griezmann in the right position, and even De Jong playing him in the right position I think a lot better can happen but obviously more players need to go I do think um, Gerard Piquet needs to go I do also think Luis Suarez needs to go maybe not to Juve but he does need to go 
I mean, there, there's certainly going to be a lot of changes happening, so it will be interesting to see what happens to this Barcelona side. Um, there are a lot of things that are going on, and we'll see what happens. But uh, jumping into, obviously, you know, you are Colombian, so we do have to talk about one name. We, we already mentioned Falcao, but we do have to talk about the other name that, you know, is playing at Real Madrid, but isn't getting that much minutes as we've seen this season or in the last season. And that's James Rodriguez, who is currently linked to a move to Everton. Uh, certainly, I think that would obviously reunite with his former manager, um, Carlo Ancelotti. So, uh, you know, this is a move that, you know, obviously, I, I think we understand the talent that James Rodriguez brings. And I think any club in the world would like to have him on his side. But, you know, going into Everton, um, certainly a, a move that will hopefully benefit him and, and certainly perhaps have a team surrounding him. So I just want your thoughts on, like, this possible move for Hamas. You know, is it the right one? You know, do you feel like maybe it's a, it's a step behind for his career, given that he's already played at two big clubs like Bayern Munich and obviously at Real Madrid? Um, where do you see this move uh, for James Rodriguez and, and for the rest of his career? Speaking as a Colombian, I am super happy if he goes to Everton. Um, I think anybody in my family could tell you how happy they would be with that move, especially my father. He mentioned it to me. Um, just the fact that James will be playing again under Ancelotti is a big and smart move for him, in my opinion, because obviously he will be getting playing time. Um, he's going to be with someone that he trusts. And I don't know if you guys saw, apparently... He was with Ancelotti yesterday having dinner. So maybe the move will be happening soon. I don't know. But I do I do think he should go to Everton. If he stays in Real Madrid, he's just going to be benched like Bale. You know, and, and I, Sir? I, I was going to say, I, I want to, you don't mind if I jump in here, Rob, because I do agree that, you know, Ancelotti, the marriage of Ancelotti and Hamas is, is a big one for his career moving forward. He did have great success under him. And the familiarity and the ability to get that playing time, which I think is, the biggest thing that Hamas has suffered over his, you know, over his last four or five seasons is the fact that he has not been able to get that consistent playing time, whether it be at Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. So I, I agree. This is going to be a great move for him. And I think he's going to shine um, at Everton, especially under Ancelotti. If, if you don't mind, I'd like to stick with the Colombian thing because it was announced. The, the World Cup qualifier dates were announced for October and November. And looking yeah. at. Yeah, and looking at, I know we're finally back into it. We're a little delayed, but we're back into it. Uh, and looking at Colombia's first four matches coming up in October, November, they're going to be home to Venezuela. They're going to be on the road to Chile, uh, at home to Uruguay, and then uh, at back on the road to Ecuador. It, this is not the this is not the easiest ta task, and we know Ball is very very difficult to qualify in to begin with. But you see no Argentina here. You see no Brazil here, and I think that does help Colombia to kind of get their feet wet and get the team go going moving forward. But these are teams that are very, very tricky to manage. Venezuela opening up is very young, very talented. We we've seen that time and time again. We've seen them improve over the years. Chile might be getting a little older, but we'll have to see if they if they go through a rebirth. Uruguay is Uruguay, and they're going to be very, very difficult. How do you see qualifying starting out for Colombia? Can they get out on the right foot and really get an early jump that so many of these teams look for going into this qualifier? Well, firstly, I, I do agree with what you said about Venezuela. I think everybody should keep an eye on Venezuela. I think this team is growing. I think each, each year um, they, they're fighting stronger just to make it to the World Cup. I do see this team maybe qualifying. I hope so. Um, Chile... Also, like you said, it's getting old. I I see it as a 
easy game for Colombia. Uruguay, Uruguay is Uruguay. Um, they're always going to be unstoppable. It might be that might be like a hard game or maybe a tied game. And Ecuador, I also see it easy. So I do agree that they're starting off pretty easy in the qualifiers because I know they do play Brazil right away in March. So they have to take advantage. They have to take advantage with Chile and Ecuador to get those points. You know, it's funny because we had Tim Vickery on the show uh, back before the 2018 World Cup. And we talked about Ecuador really jumping up and into qualifying. If you remember, they started out super hot. Now, um, you know, they're on their fourth coach in two years. They've really taken a, a step backwards, don't you think? Yeah, I do agree they have been taking a step backwards. I, They need to figure out something because I do think they have very good players in the squad. Mm-hmm. It's just ma- um, a matter of time of what they can do with the team. No doubt about it. Eliana, thank you for joining us on our anniversary show. It was always a pleasure. Rob and I know that when we when we plan these shows, we always want to have somebody from BN Sports because they've been so good to us from the very, very beginning, and we're grateful that you could join us. And all the best in the future, and we look forward to having you back soon. No, thank you guys so much. It's been This has been amazing. Thank you. And special thanks again to Eliana Hymas for joining us on the show from BN Sports. And it was an absolute pleasure to have a chat with her earlier on. Next up on our show is somebody that we hadn't had the chance to speak to in a while. But luckily, Rob and I, you you and I always get the chance to meet up with him every summer when the International Champions Cup comes along. We always manage to catch a few minutes with him out in the parking lot in Boston. And we hadn't had the chance to speak to him in a while, but now we got him back and it was fantastic to have him on. From Gianluca DiMarzio and from the great, great, great Cultural Land podcast, Mr. David Amoyal had a few minutes to spend with us. So without further ado, the David Amoyal interview. Joining us now on the anniversary show from Gianluca DiMarzio, David Amoyal. David, welcome back to the show, man. How are you tonight? It's a real pleasure to talk to you guys. I'm doing well and uh, excited to be on the show. Congratulations on one more anniversary. Grazie, grazie. Let me, I want to jump in. I want to talk about Sandro Tonali because this was the the transfer that took, was taking months. I mean, this Tonali talk to Inter was back maybe even in December or January. And lo and behold, at the very last minute, Tonali does go to Milan to play in the San Siro, but he's wearing uh, black and red instead of black and blue. How did um, Milan jump into this and basically steal Sandro Tonali from Inter? Well, I think you have to give Milan a lot of credit. You have to give Maldini especially a lot of credit. You know, this is a summer that he's in charge at Milan. A lot of it was it would be Ragnitz running their transfer window. And I think had you told me that Tonali, if you told me two months ago Tonali was going to Milan, I would have said, well, Ragnitz is definitely there if that's happening. So Credit to Maldini getting it done uh, anyways. Uh, you know, he was someone that said he wanted more veterans, but he goes out and gets one of the best prospects in Italy. They took advantage of Inter really stalling. I think Inter realized they wanted maybe more veterans. They also had a lot of players they needed to get rid of. It doesn't sound like Tonali was a huge priority for them. It sounded they wanted to give more of a veteran first and then get Tonali if they still could. But uh, kudos to Milan for taking advantage of that and uh, landing a player that I think fits their project really well. You look at the other players on the squad, uh, fits age-wise, role-wise too. So great move by them. 
So, David, uh, going into, obviously, the big giants, and we have to mention Juventus, because clearly, I think for all of us as Americans, we're very grateful and happy to see uh, Weston McKinney go to Schel- from Schalke to Juventus, even though it is for just a loan deal. I mean, certainly, I think with Andrea Pirlo, you know, in, not investing, but coaching a, a midfield that is definitely getting much more younger when you look at Arthur coming in from Barcelona, uh, Kuliszewski, who comes from Parma, and then you look at the players that they already have in Bentancur, both, all of them, young midfielders. You know, how have you assessed Juventus uh, so far in this kind of post-Sari uh, world? And, you know, how do you assess them heading into the start of the Serie A season? Well, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, when you see them linked to Suarez or Zico or even Cavani, you're like, oh, I thought Juve was going to get younger. But I agree with you. You look at all the other moves and the players they link to, they absolutely are uh, getting younger. Uh, I definitely like what they've done. I think Benton Core, you know, the, the two things that I think at least the positives of Sarri at Juve is he kind of saved Dybala for Juve and he developed Benton Core. The rest, uh, you know, I was even a big Saudi fan left a lot to be desired, but I think they're complimenting Bentancur well. I thought Rabiot finished the season pretty well. I think Arthur uh, fits the team really well. They, they kind of missed a dynamic player uh, like that. I think Juve has more, is going to run more in the midfield, which they sort of needed. I think McKinney, um, you know, I wouldn't worry so much about the loan. I mean, it's a loan with option to buy in Italy that's pretty common. Juve has done this a lot. To me, it's really a purchase in disguise. I also find the fact, you know, they can only add two players from outside of Europe in the transfer window, and McKinney was the second. So by signing him, they really limited what else they could do. And to me, that shows that they have faith in him. Um, so I'm interested to see what he can do. It, does, it sounds like he brings some characteristics that were missing in the midfield, but I really think the big unknown is uh, Pirlo. I mean, you look at the squads, Juve and Inter, I think they're certainly comparable, but Inter could have a huge advantage of the coaching uh, position, but Pirlo could uh, really surprise us. I think by the quotes we are hearing from Juve players, it really sounded like they really hadn't warmed up to Sarri and Pirlo fits the Juve DNA more. They also brought in Tudor was a former Juve player to be on the staff. So I think this is going to be run much more like the Juve that we know. But tactically, managing a squad over a season, rotating, we don't know what Pirlo is going to be. So it should be a fascinating season in Serie A, even because of that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the whole unknown of what Andrea Pirlo brings as a coach will certainly be one of the storylines to watch this season. But I think another storyline that we have to focus, you I just mentioned it, in uh, Inter Milan and, and Antonio Conte staying in as a head manager. How do you feel about that? Because certainly this was a manager that, you know, I think had shown what he was able to do with the side that, you know, ended up finishing second in Serie A, you know, finishing runners-up in the Europa League. I mean... You would say that he does divide opinion because of the controversy that he brings to the table. But how do you feel of him staying for another season at uh, Inter Milan? Let's take aside the outburst. And I know there's certainly a big part of it. I thought the Inter's run in the Europa League was really pretty awesome. It reminded me a lot of uh, when Conte was coaching Italy at the Euro and they lost to Germany on penalty kicks. And they probably maybe deserved to win that game. Uh, I thought that run was great. I think the fact they finished just one point behind Juve, they got as many points 
in Serie A as the team that won the treble. Uh, it was a really good season for Inter. I know they didn't get any silverware, and I think they absolutely have to win a trophy uh, this season. This season coming up, like there's really no excuse. I almost think Scudetto bust might be a little bit of a stretch because they are facing a team that's won nine in a row. But at least the Coppa Italia, they have to have something to show for this. Um, so I'm excited. I think Conte showed a lot. Uh, obviously, the outbursts are uh, something to be concerned about. Um, I think the fact, though, that Inter brought back all both the directors, Marotta and Auxilio, to me, that's kind of showing faith in them, saying, hey, maybe these guys will be here longer than Conte. But I think this season should be uh, very exciting. Hopefully not too many outbursts, but a lot of uh, strong competition on the pitch. Now, David, I want to go back to uh, Juve a little bit. I know that currently Cristiano Ronaldo is the prize there and all the rumors swirling about Lionel Messi. Now he might be staying at Barcelona. Um, I know Inter were, were linked to him in this in this turmoil time and Romantics would want him to go to Juve just to play with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, do you see Lionel Messi making a move to one of the two Italian sides or is it just you know wage-wise and transfer fee-wise and, and all of the things involved, all the money involved, especially given COVID-19 and the way it's affected a lot of these clubs, it's just not really in the realm of possibility for Messi to make that move? I got to be honest, I never thought Messi was going to leave Barcelona. I know we're recording today. People will hear this uh, later on. Things maybe could change. Maybe it will sound really no, ridiculous, I'm, but I'm I never you. felt I'm he with was going to leave. Uh, you know, I think Man City was probably is maybe the most logical. They can afford him. There's the Guardiola thing. Uh, I would love to see him at Inter. I think even at Juve, it would be awesome. I think, you know, if you were looking legacy-wise for Messi, you could make a case that Inter would be fascinating. Like, he makes starts again the the, the rivalry with Ronaldo, can end Juve's Scudetto winning streak with Ronaldo on the other side, win a title in another league. I mean, that's appealing, but the minute we start getting into the finances of all this, even if he was available for free for no transfer fee, it, it's really a, a humongous salary. For Juve, I think it would be completely unsustainable, both for Ronaldo and Messi. And for Inter, it would be really, really tough. But uh, as some Inter fans have pointed out, and I totally agree, I think the fact that Inter is being put as a legitimate destination for Messi, not in, not just in Italy, but abroad too, is really awesome. And I think that says a lot about Inter. That probably wouldn't have happened in the years with Toyer or the, the years right after, you know, maybe two, three years after the treble. So I think just that in and of itself says a lot about Inter. And look, I would love to be proven wrong and that by the time this airs, it looks like he'll come to Serie Yeah, the, the inter-romantics would say it's the return of uh, Zanetti, you know, another Argentinian great who comes onto the team and, and leads them to titles and stuff. Um, with Juve, looking at their striker situation, obviously Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo has made kind of that move to that central number nine striker. He doesn't play quite as much on the wing as he used to. They've gotten rid of Gonzalo Higuain for the most part. Uh, if, if the rumors are to believed, he's going to be coming over to MLS. Depending on if it's Miami, it's going to be, I guess, DC United hold his rights as well, which is another crazy thing but uh, you know we talked about briefly about Luis Suarez what about where do we stand with it in and will will Juve find a solution before they kick off the season in a couple weeks sure and again this might actually happen maybe rather fast it sounds like Juve has some urgency because the season I mean the team as we speak the players are training already um 
Zeko, I think, would have to be with Roma getting Milik, probably in exchange for Sengisunder to Napoli. So that would have to happen. We know Milik wanted to go to Juve. He has just one year left on his deal. Uh, Juve, you know, would have to offer something to Napoli that they want in exchange to get him now. So I think it comes down to probably more Suarez or Zeko uh, on that domino with Milik going to Roma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suarez, it would have to come down him getting his contract rescinded from Barcelona and then signing at Juve with a salary, you know, that Juve can afford. So I think it could come down to one of those two. Uh, Again, we talked earlier how the Juve is getting younger in a lot of other areas. Of the pitch on paper, I think both Zeko and Suarez are superb. I think Suarez could be kind of Tevez 2.0 at Juve. But my only concern, and Sarri pointed this out too, is like his strikers just don't press at all. They don't help at all in the defensive phase. Pirlo said, oh, when we lose the ball, I want to get it right back. Well, you know, good luck asking Ronaldo and Dybala. To do that, you add Suarez or Zico. I don't know how much they would be doing that either. That would be my only reservation there mm-hmm. on that. Beyond that, I think either of those two players, I mean, offensively, it's really intriguing. But you also don't have too much pace. Uh, you really don't. And uh, maybe in the Champions League, you need a little bit more of that. I mean, I was kind of intrigued at the idea of Milik at Juve. Uh, but let's see what happens as as we're recording now. I would say it'll be Suarez or Zeka. No doubt. David, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us for our anniversary. Um, I also am, you know, would be remiss if I didn't mention not only do you work for DiMarzio, but you also have one of the great Italian soccer podcasts in Calcioland. Um, and we want to tell our listeners to definitely go and check that out. Um, all the best to you. Stay safe. And we hope to speak again, David, very, very soon. Well, it was wonderful speaking to you guys. I'm just sorry this summer with COVID, we haven't had a chance to meet in person as we typically do with the game. So I want to wish you all the best. Many more years of the podcast. You are both wonderful people. I really enjoy talking to you, and I wish you many more anniversaries. Grazie, David. Take care. And special thanks again to David Amoyal for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure to catch up with him. Last but not least on this show, we had the absolute pleasure of having with us from La Liga TV, Semra Hunter, who joined us again, returned to the show. And we got the chance to talk to her about La Liga, about Lionel Messi, about many of the other things of La Liga, which was great because Messi has dominated the radio waves basically for the next the last two weeks, the news cycle and everything. And it's been absolutely crazy. And we did speak messy, but we also got the chance to talk about many, many other things. And it was an absolute wonderful interview. So without further ado, from La Liga TV, Samara Hunter. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from La Liga TV, Samara Hunter. Samara, welcome back to the show. We're so glad we could have you on our anniversary show today. I want to open the questions, and I know everyone's got Messi on their mind. He's really dominated the news cycle here for, I would say, almost two weeks. I'm going to ask you about some other players. I want to know uh, your take and the latest information on possibly Luis Suarez leaving Barcelona heading over to Juventus and Memphis Depay right now the rumor is that he's coming in on I believe like somewhere around 25 million euro to come into Barcelona from Lyon especially after the the great Champions League run that Lyon had and and his performances there what are your thoughts on both players coming and going well first of all thank you very much for having me back and second of all congratulations on your anniversary a job well done to both of you that's fantastic And uh, to go on to your question, well, why don't we start off with Luis Suarez? 
Personally, um, you know, I had like two different ways of thinking about this. When the whole Messi situation was going down and it was very clear that Luis Suarez was told you're one of the players that will be shown the door, so start packing your bags and find a place to go and so on, that uh, Kuman is not going to be counting on you for this season. Well, I thought, okay, well, it's a bit of a shame. I suppose it's it's the right time. Um, he is waning a little bit. Um, and maybe he has stayed a little bit longer with Barcelona more because of the fact that he's such good friends with Messi and they do have a wonderful partnership, however. So whenever the two are in form and they click, they do produce brilliance. Um, but now that Messi is staying, I'm almost hoping that Suarez does stay. Maybe just for one more season, because I think that's probably about as much as we can squeeze out of him. But... I, I don't think that he will end up saying. I think uh, it seems pretty far down the road now, the deal that they've established with Juventus. It'd be interesting to see him link up with Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> instead of Lionel Messi uh, in attack. But it seems as though it's, it's a deal that makes both sides happy. Barcelona are uh, looking to make some money. They need money badly, as I'm sure you well know. Very, very uh, deep in debt. So that would be something to help them out in terms of finances, also to um, not have to pay the salary that they're paying him as well. And perhaps he's looking to get out of Barcelona and get a change of pace as well. So it seems as though it's going to happen. It does look very, very close to being a done deal. So if he goes, well, you know, it's a shame to have him not be in La Liga anymore. But at the same time, maybe it was the right time for him to go then. Um, so as for Memphis Depay, to be honest with you, I haven't really seen too much of it. I've been so bogged down with this whole messy situation that I haven't really seen too much else uh, in the last few days. But I would be surprised if Barcelona in general were going to sign anybody because they need to offload more than they need to bring in a big year of transition and not just one year. This is going to be a transitional period for quite some time. Um, because now that Messi's saying, okay, so in the short term, you need to build a team around him, but in the long term, he is going to leave, whether it's going to be in 12 months or beyond that, and you'll need to prepare for that as well too. But with the whole coronavirus situation, a lot of clubs are strapped for cash. They don't have that free-flowing ability to spend money that they normally do. Barcelona are very much in the red. So I would personally be surprised if they decided to make a move. Remember, you've got Usman Dembele, who finally, fingers crossed, will be able to, to play. I mean, we haven't seen much of him because he's been constantly injured. So it'd be nice to have him back uh, in the mix. We've got Coutinho back from uh, Bayern Munich as well in La Liga. So we'll see if he stays. I imagine at this point he might do. Um, so you've got Ansu Fati coming up as well, who will get more minutes, no doubt. Very much talent coming through La Masia right now. So... They have good players, Barcelona, but they do need to bring another fresh talent. I just don't know that right now is going to be the time for that to happen. Maybe it will be in January. Again, I don't think so, but perhaps more long-term down the road starting next summer, whenever the new president comes in, the new board comes in, and they try to rebuild a brand new project for the Blaugranas. It's very interesting times, though, no doubt. <laughs> I can Barca right now with everything that's been going on and all the movements that's been going on and the exits and 
and so on. Because I'm sure we'll talk about Rakitic later on. But uh, I, again, I, I would I'd be surprised. But you never know with with this Barcelona board. I mean, we've already seen quite a few twists and turns already in the last few weeks, and there's still about a month left to go in the transfer window. So perhaps perhaps he could be an addition to the side then. And certainly the, the name that has dominated the, the entire world, basically, over the last few weeks has been Lionel Messi. You know, as we all know, he expressed his desire to leave and then eventually did a complete U-turn and expressed his desire to stay in an interview that was released on Gold yesterday. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this has been quite a, a an interesting saga or, or like you said, you know, this has been interesting times in Barcelona right now, you know, but... Going on through that, uh, Semra, just I just want your thoughts on Messi's, you know, comments yesterday in that interview. And secondly, because you know, with him staying, we know that he has to deal with a new manager in Ronald Koeman, mm-hmm. and we know that anything can happen in that sense. Maybe Koeman can convince Messi to stay for quite some time, and not just after those twelve months say, okay, he's, he's free to go. But certainly, there are so many things to fix. Where do you see the club um, heading into the new season now for Barcelona? Okay, so let's start with Messi's comments. We can unpackage quite a lot there. Um, For me, it wasn't so much a surprise that he ended up staying. It was a surprise just how brutally honest he actually was in what he had to say. In no uncertain terms, he was really critical of the board and specifically Bartomeu, the president, saying that they haven't built a project that's interesting, a winning project, Um, They've just been patching up holes here and there um, and that he's been unhappy for the last year and been trying to force an exit for the last year, trying to sit down with Bartolome and say, listen, I want to work a deal where I can leave at the end of the season. um, So please, let's make it happen. And Bartolome just saying, "Okay, sure, sure, we'll get there eventually. Don't you worry, giving him this verbal sort of confirmation and then not holding to his word, according to Messi. He felt deceived. Um, So. It's so sad to me that it's come to this point, that this is how things have ended in a way, because I do think there is going to be a new beginning after this um, with Messi, because things will never be the same again. Something is broken there and it can never be fixed. But... I I don't know. It's it, it's it's all just very sad to me, really, the way that it that it played out. And he certainly comes across as though he's staying against his will, that he doesn't really want to be there anymore, and that it wasn't his choice to stay because Bartomeu said, "Listen, um, you have a 700 million euro release clause, so if either you pay that or the club that takes you pays that, or we go to court." And he clearly said, listen, I'm not going to go to court. And I don't think he wanted to go to court for several reasons, probably because it's a lengthy process. It's an expensive process. It could keep him sidelined for at least a year or so while the whole thing is getting sorted out. It could also damage his own reputation. And I'm sure the club as well didn't want to go to court either because for the same reasons, you know. So going forward, what has to happen now? They didn't seem to have started off on the right foot, Koeman and Messi. There's conflicting reports that as soon as the Dutchman landed, said to Messi, listen, you're going to be a, a pillar of my of my team. You're going to be the centerpiece of my project. But then only a few days later to say, you no longer have the privileges that you actually had. 
we don't really know what's true or what isn't true. This is information that has been leaked, but nothing has actually come from the horse's mouth in that it hasn't come from Kuman himself publicly or Messi. So you can choose to take it with a grain of salt if you like. But I think the way forward now is to just put aside their differences. They don't have to get along. They don't have to like each other necessarily. But at the end of the day, they have to find a way to work together if they want to win. And Messi wants to win. We all know that. He's made it very clear that he wanted to be part of a winning project, whether it was with Barcelona or with another club. And he's been saying that for a long time, not just now. So the thing with Kuman as well, and to go back to those elections, there is a presidential candidate by the name of Victor Font, who is the front runner. He's the favorite to win this election. And he's been campaigning for about seven years now. And he has Xavi Hernandez, who everybody knows is a Spanish football legend, former teammate of Messi, as well as a very close friend of his. He's been on the ticket to be his, his uh, manager. So Victor Font has already said, if I win this election, Ronald Koeman is getting the door. So <laughs> he's going to be shown the door in 12 months. So he's not going to be sticking around after one season, regardless of whatever the results are going to be, regardless of how well he does or doesn't do. So that's something, I guess, for Messi to keep in mind, that if things don't go well with Koeman, then potentially he's not going to be there beyond the season anyway. And if Xavi comes back, that may be of interest for him to ultimately stay longer um, because, of course, Bartomeu said, listen, see out the season, and then if you still want to leave, you can go for free, um, which is still very much a possibility, let's be honest, or maybe even in January if, he, if he's really that desperate to leave. But there's so many moving factors and so many different pieces and elements to what's going on at the club right now that it's it's really difficult to, to predict what is going to happen. And so much can change within this whole time period. But those are just some of the speculative outcomes of what could play out down the road. So Victor Font says Messi is key to his rebuild project if they win, uh, he and his, and his board. Uh, he already posted a photo straight away the other day with Xavi and Messi, <laughs> making it very clear that he wants Messi to stay and to retire. So if they win, they may be able to convince him to stay. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's 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 very very interesting to see what what will happen ultimately because there's a lot of damage done. There's been a lot of heartbreak and a lot of ill feelings. So we'll see if they can put those differences aside and find a way forward. It, it will certainly be a saga that I think the entire world will definitely follow. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And, you know, maybe it is a last dance for, for uh, Lionel Messi, but we, <laughs> we shall definitely see. Um, sticking to the other side of Spain, uh, we have to talk about Real Madrid, the current La Liga champions. And, mm. you know, certainly we didn't see much of them be talked about, you know, as a club that likes to spend a lot. We didn't see them do too much business in their transfer window. Obviously, I think we can understand that given the, the team that they've had to win La Liga, despite them not qualifying uh, out past the round of 16 in the Champions League. I think Zinedine Zidane has really found a side that can really compete for, for all trophies. So I just want your thoughts on how you assess their upcoming season uh, hmm. that starts next week. 
So in terms of the transfer market, Florentino Perez, the president, he said very clearly that this summer they were not going to be making any transfers, that they weren't going to spend money because of the coronavirus and the, the unique situation that we're in, that this was not going to be a summer to splash the, ca to splash the cash, sorry, that they were going to have to make do with what they had. They had plenty of players coming back on loan, some, I think about 30 players or something like that. Well, just about all of them have gone back out. Uh, but Martin Odegaard, surprisingly, has come back a year early. He was with uh, Real Sociedad last season. He was supposed to have a two-year loan deal with them, and it was suspected that he would stay for those two years before coming back because Madrid already had a pretty packed midfield. Um, but in the end, they decide to recall him back to the, to the Spanish capital. So for me, that's going to be very, very interesting to watch and to see how he fits into the side and just how much playing time he can actually get. But I suppose, in a way, it's almost like um, you've got older players like Toni Kroos or Luka Modric who are maybe on sort of the final stages with Real Madrid, so it could be like a transitional moment for them to bring in Martin Odegaard. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but it, it certainly is, for me, very, uh, very interesting that they decided to bring him back now. But yeah, I, I like the look of Real Madrid in general. In general, I think that they're very solid. They didn't wow us or anything like that in the final sprint to winning La Liga uh, just a few months ago. But they were very solid from top to bottom. They were efficient and they were hungry. They really wanted to win the title. And so they fought with a lot of grit. They did what they had to do to get the job done. They were churning out results, even if they weren't playing at their best. And they had sheer determination to win. And so I think that got them across the line. And now we'll see what happens for this season going forward. But I definitely think that they're the favorites at this point in time to hold on and to make it back-to-back -back titles. I think for them for the first time in something like 12 or 13 years, it's been quite some time since they were able to do that in La Liga. Well, but, know, sorry, sorry go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say that the thing with Real Madrid is that for once, it actually seems like there's just peace and there's calm, with the exception of Gareth Bale. But, <laughs> and Hammers obviously being shown the door to, to Everton. But for once, it actually seems like the players are happy that there's uh, a united front in the locker room. They all back Zidane, they all really adore Zidane. And think so highly of him. And so that makes a huge difference because it translates onto the pitch. I mean, we saw what happened with Barcelona, the way that they just completely collapsed after coming back from the break. And they were two points clear when they went into it. So I favor their chances very highly to, to win again for this upcoming season. And they do have a very, very strong team. You look at their bench, quality all around. So, and Karim Benzema, let's see what we get from him again, because, my God, what a way to finish the season. He was spectacular. And Eden Hazard finally as well, finding his way into the side, returning from injury. We saw moments of brilliance from him as well. So, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to Real Madrid, especially if you're a Madridista. I think you have a lot to be excited about going into the new season. Now, I want to jump in and ask about an, another team, another Spanish champion this year, and that's Sevilla. Sevilla, obviously, with Julian Lopetegui running to the uh, Europa League title again. Um, hmm. It seems like it, they might as well retire the, the trophy in their names. Uh, they, bring in, they, <laughs> they bring in Ivan Rakitic, uh, you know, obviously veteran presence coming in from Barcelona. 
Uh, and they also have some great pieces. They have Sergio Reguilón uh, still on loan to them from Real Madrid. What are, mm. what does what are your chances, or what is your opinion of Sevilla's chances possibly challenging both Barca, Real Madrid, and maybe Atleti for that uh, La Liga crown this year? It'd be great if they could stay in the title race all the way into the end. Uh, they do have a phenomenal team, a phenomenal team, and when they are on. They're so much fun to watch, and they're very, very effective, and they're very good. As you say, they won the Europa League, a historic sixth trophy in that competition. It was Julian Lopetegui's first ever major club trophy. And the 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 sheer joy and, and the tears of joy that came out of him, the sign of relief that he finally did it, was it was a, it was a nice sight to see you, given the whole rough history that he's had over the last couple of years. Now, you mentioned Ivan Rakitic coming back into the side, a great signing, obviously, and it was always meant to happen. It was always written in stars. Rakitic always said that he wanted to go back to Sevilla. That's his home. That's the first club. When he landed in Spain, that's where he went to, and immediately he fell in love with his now wife, and he's always felt like an adopted Sevillano, and so it's the club of his heart. He's been at Barcelona for six years. He's won 13 trophies. He's had a very successful run. This last season was not so great for him. And to be fair, I feel like a lot of Catalan media or Spanish media were very critical of him when they shouldn't have been, and they were very hard on him. And I actually feel that he gave a lot to Barcelona, and he was very underrated for most of the time that he was here. But... It's a great signing for Sevilla, and I think he still has a lot to offer. He'll be great to slot back into the midfield. It's funny how when he left, he was replaced by Ever Banega, and now he's replacing Ever Banega. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's a great signing. Yeah. And as for Reguilón, there's still the possibility that he leaves. It seems like Sevilla want him. Well, no, they definitely want him. And I imagine that Reguilón also would like to stay there, and he has this great uh, partnership with his manager and a great understanding with him but Manchester United are trying to swoop for him and to pay around 25-30 million euros so depending on what Real Madrid want to do because it's remember he's a Real Madrid player if they want the money if they want to sell him now um, they could well do so and it seems as though if they do sell him they'll put in that clause like they did with Morata when he went to Juventus the buyback clause um, but it would be a, a real shame and a huge loss for Sevilla if he were to go because he's not just a great defender, but he loves to get up and attack. And he's great at whipping and crosses. He's great at providing uh, danger in that final third. And so, and that's how Sevilla like to play, right? You've got Jesus Navas on the right and you've got him on the left and they love to just fly down the flank. So... I hope he stays. I really hope he stays <laughs> because Sevilla have a wonderful team, a very solid side. Lucas Ocampos, what a signing he turned out to be. Um, top scorer and assist provider, I think it was, by the end of the season, uh, both in La Liga and Europa League, if I remember correctly. So they can definitely challenge for the title. And I think they should take advantage of the fact that Barcelona are in a period of crisis and it's not going to be stable for quite some time. And Atletico Madrid, you never really know with them what you're going to get. They started out so well last season, and all of a sudden, it just they just their form disappeared. It dried up, only for it to then return way too late at that particular point in time. They were phenomenal after the break. But Real Madrid are going to be very tough to to take the title off of, I think, this season. But 
they could surprise us and it would be nice to have a surprise quite honestly i, I couldn't agree more Samra, thank you so much for joining us on our anniversary show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. All the best uh, this year uh, covering La Liga, and we look forward to speaking again very, very soon. Really well. Thank you so much for having me. And special thanks again to Samra Hunter for joining us on the show from La Liga TV. Now, Rob, from this point on, you have graced me or blessed me with a surprise, of something, an audio clip that is titled Surprise for Joe that I have not heard yet. And I'm very, very interested and excited to hear it. So I don't want to do anything more, and I don't want you to introduce it, Rob, because I want it to be a complete surprise to me. So without further ado, the surprise for Joe. Hey, Roberto and Joe. This is Ariel Castillo from Man City, and I wanted to send out congratulations for seven years of low-limit football. That is quite the achievement, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future. What's up, everybody? Joe and Roberto. Uh, this is Luis Miguel Echegaray, and I just want to wish Low Limit Football a happy seventh anniversary. What you guys do is amazing. So much information, so much positivity, just a great addition to the soccer world. I wish you nothing but the best, and just sigue rompiendo. Uh, happy seventh. Love you guys. Hey, Joe, Roberto. Uh, this is Simon Edwards from Colombia. I uh, just wanted to say congratulations, happy anniversary for the Low Limit Football Show. Uh, I've always enjoyed listening to the program and I hope there's many years to come. Hi Roberto, hi Joe, happy anniversary to Low Limit Football. Hope you guys keep rocking the show. All the best from Manuel Feed from Transfermarkt. Hey everyone, this is Keith Costigan from Fox Sports. I just wanted to wish both Joe and Roberto a happy seventh anniversary of Low Limit Football. Many best wishes to both of you guys. You do an incredible job. A big fan of the work you do, and I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to listen as you go for many more years to come. Great job, everyone. Hey, guys. Hey, Joe. Hey, Roberto. Uh, it's Roy Nemer here from Mundo Albi Celeste. Just wanted to say keep up the good work. Congratulations on the anniversary. Uh, I can't wait to be on again, uh, and just keep rocking it, guys. You guys are amazing. Hey, Joe. This is Nico from the Can I Kick It? podcast uh i just wanted to say congratulations and happy anniversary seven years that is absolutely awesome you guys do an awesome job there at low limit football it was my pleasure to be on uh, not too long ago i just want to say congratulations and you know you guys have earned everything you've gotten happy anniversary What's up? It's Elijah Newsom here from SB Nation and Coming Home Newcastle. Wanted to give a huge shout out to the homies over at Low Limit Football, Roberto and Joe, for just an amazing accomplishment of seven years of being in the podcast game. You guys are killing it, and I'm looking forward to seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen more years of y'all just absolutely crushing it. Love it. Love you guys. Congrats. Hi, Joe and Roberto. It's Peter from Golasso Argentino. Just wanted to wish you a happy seventh anniversary on Low Limit Football. As someone who knows all about the difficulties with organising podcasts and keeping them going, I've got nothing but respect for what you've done and continue to do so, hoping for another seven years. Hi, Joe. This is Jerry from Cultural Connection and the guy who repeatedly keeps on asking you for help. And uh, it is your seventh anniversary for low limit football and that is impressive you and roberto roja and i'm very impressed and i just want to say congratulations and uh the only way you're going to be rewarded with this is uh you're not going to have a 10th scudetto i'm sorry and you're not going to win champions league for a very long time and 
that's that's just like the greatest gift you can get for a seven year anniversary, buddy. Love you, man. Congrats. Very happy for you. Hello, Joe. Hello, Roberto. It's your friend Matt Santangelo here. Wanted to wish you guys a very special happy anniversary. Keep up the great work. And I look forward to hopping on the podcast with you guys again real soon. Hello, Joe. Hello, Roberto. It's Carlo Garganese here. I just wanted to pass on a big, big congratulations for your seventh anniversary. It's an amazing, amazing achievement. I think you guys, you're great guys. You're great podcasters. I loved coming on your show a few weeks ago. And here's to another seven years. Hi, Joe. Hi, Roberto. This is Cecilia Lagos from the Netherlands. And I just want to wish you a happy, super happy anniversary with Low Limit Football and many, many more. Hi, guys. Ralph Hanna here or Paraguay Ralph. Those of you that know me from Twitter, uh, just wanted to wish Joe and Roberto a very happy anniversary for Low Limit Football. Amazing podcast that you guys are putting out every week. Congrats. Thank you for sharing this amazing variety of content that we're always getting on Monday nights. Um, thank you as well for inviting me. I mean, I've been on a few occasions to talk about Paraguay and South American football, and it's always a pleasure to to share the airwaves with you guys. Um, congrats again, and let's hope there's many more uh, anniversaries to celebrate. This is Ante Jukic, just a weirdo from Australia who watches all their football. Congratulations to Joe and Roberto. Happy anniversary, guys. All the best. This is Coach Kojo from the Free and Midfield Podcast. And Footy says, saying a heavy, very, very happy anniversary to my boys at Low Limit Football. Joe, Roberto, phenomenal show, phenomenal guests, phenomenal talking. Congratulations on everything that you've done so far. More to come, more to achieve, more Ws, which means more wins, as we know. You guys are the best. We're following your example. Have a great one. Hey guys, Jonathan Johnson here. Just wanted to say happy anniversary and keep up the good work. Giovanni Uccello, Roberto Rojas. This is Stel from Shoot Defence. Wishing you guys a very happy seventh anniversary of Low Limit Football. Seven years, boys. Time flies, doesn't it? Well, I love the content. You've had some great guests. Yours truly included, might I add. Keep it coming. It's absolutely brilliant. Bloody marvellous, as your intro says. Looking forward to another seven more years, boys. Keep it coming. No chofters. Hi there. Hi, Joe, Roberto, Victor Canedo from Global Here, Brazil. Happy anniversary to this amazing podcast. I wish you guys all the success and many, many more years to come. Count on me if you need anything. That's it. That's all. Enjoy it. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Joe and Rob, congratulations on seven amazing years of low-limit football. You guys have been kicking ass and taking names. It's Alex Dono checking in. So thrilled I could join you guys on the show before. Hopefully I can again, and hopefully seven years. Hell, 49 great more years to come of this amazing show. Congratulations, guys. Hey, Joe, just wanted to give you guys a happy anniversary for the Low Limit Football Podcast. You guys have been working hard for so long, um, both of you, Roberto and Joe, and I just want to say congratulations on a great run so far, and I hope it uh, continues for more. Uh, This is Martino Puccio, by the way, in case you didn't know. What's up, Low Limit Football? This is Jack Grimsey. I just wanted to say a quick happy anniversary to Joe and Roberto. Congratulations, guys. Keep up the good work. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Joe and the rest of the Low Limit 
football family. Uh, this is Nima Tarlay from Semprinter.com and the Italian Football Podcast. Wishing you all a happy seventh anniversary. And here's the seven more. Auguri. Hey guys, Andrew Flint here. I have many mutual friends of both of you guys. Joe, Roberto, Low Limit Football is an institution. And I just am... I'm amazed and I'm not amazed at the same time. Amazed that it's been so long, but not amazed because of the passion and knowledge that you boys bring to podcasting. And it's something that I've grown to love too, so I appreciate what you do. And boys, this is only the first seven years. Good luck, congratulations on the anniversary, and here's to another seven years. Hi guys, I'm Andrea Llanes from Una Hora Con La H in Deporte Total USA, and I wanted to join the celebrations for another anniversary of Low Limit Football. Joe and Roberto have created an informative and entertaining show, and I'm glad they share it with all of us. Muchos abrazos y deseando muchos aniversarios más. Viva Low Limit Football. Hey Joe, hey RR, it's Sonia sending you a big happy anniversary hug and wishing you a happy anniversary show all the way from Madrid. Hey Joe and hey Rob, it's Kate Mason from Sky Sports News and Football Ramble here. Just wanted to drop in for a sec and say, wow, huge congratulations on your anniversary. That is an unbelievable period of time to have been podcasting for seven years. That's so impressive. Um, And it sounds as though you guys are doing really, really well on low limit football. And here's to the next seven or 70, perhaps. Talk to you soon, guys. Have a great show. Wow. I, I'm at a loss of words, man. Um, <laughs> that, thank you. Thank you. That, this is all for you, man. Happy anniversary. Thank you. That is, that is incredible. Um, yeah, no, that's not sand in my eyes. Shut up. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I got nothing to say. Um, wow. That, that, is, that is really cool. All those names. All people that have, like, you know, it's amazing because I kind of foreshadowed it, I guess, right? I mean, I said all the many, many, many names that we've been able to (laughs) meet and contact and interact with um, over the years that have helped this pod become what it is. Uh, And there they all are. Um, And there are many more from, you know, not only just those, but there's tons of others. But, wow. Um, Yeah, that that is incredible. I I got nothing else to say. So, (laughs) thank you. Uh, Just thank you. Um, Anytime, man. All right. Let's close it, right? Let's yes, close seven. Let's and, close it. Let's, and let's start year eight. So let me hit the closing music, my friend. So, for our seventh anniversary show of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Jeremy St. Louis, to Eliana Hymas, to David Amoyal, to Summer Hunter for joining us for interviews, and to every single person that was in that clip that thanked us. Um, just absolutely incredible. I'm flabbergasted. And I hope there are many, many more years to come with you, my friends. So for our seventh anniversary show, let's go start year eight. I am Joe Ucello. And I'm Roberto Rojas saying thank you to everyone who has supported us over the years. Let's continue to go strong for year eight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And good night.